So we've been in a series over the past uh, couple of weeks called Vintage Christmas, looking at the original Christmas story as recorded in the Gospels, and kind of comparing notes about what happened uh, during that uh, time frame and during that narrative, and how it might relate to us and the Christmas that we're used to whenever we think of Christmases gone by, the, the traditions that are connected with it, and, uh, and all of the things that we do as family and as people to celebrate the season. Our first week, we talked about the gifts that were given to Jesus uh, whenever the, the wise men showed up. And we talked about that even though the gifts seemed peculiar and odd, it wasn't necessarily what the gifts were, but what they represented that were meaningful. And for all of us, it's not necessarily what we give people uh, during this holiday season, but rather uh, what the meaning behind it truly is. Our second week, which was last week, we talked about the people that we're around and who we're connected to and the meaning it has whenever we are connected to the right people. Oh, I don't need Siri to tell me uh, about anything. Thank you, though. Um, We had our children's ministry on stage, and they talked about the names of Jesus, and it was a really, really great weekend uh, here around South Union. And this week, we're going to talk about something uh, that is a part of the Christmas season, I think, for most of us. Uh, a, few, a few months ago, my wife and I and uh, a few of our friends, we went on a flea market shopping extravaganza around the Indianapolis area, uh, and they had their two kids with them. And we, we got to the very end of the shopping day, we're just, you know, walking around, trying to ignore all the odors and the smells that you smell when you walk around flea markets and bargain places. And we get to the end, and we're like, let's go to dinner. And so uh, we decided on a place for dinner. It was about 45 minutes away. And so we load up all of our stuff, and they load up their kids. And uh, if you're parents in today's society, you're probably familiar with what this conversation looks like. Uh, no, you're done with the iPads. You've had enough screen time for the day. And you've gotten through all of your coloring sheets, so I don't know what you're going to do. And, and their son, bless his heart, with just absolute confusion and dismay, looks at his dad and goes, what are we supposed to do, just sit here in the car? <laughs> like this four just could not understand. They're like, yep, welcome to it, man. That's what, that's what we're doing, right? And you ain't got no iPad, your coloring sheets are done, you're just going to sit there. And, he's, <sighs> and then the daughter was just like, we're just going to sit here? And they just could not wrap their minds around sitting in a vehicle for 45 minutes. And I just remember thinking, man, I'm old. <laughs> that, that was like this world had just been turned upside down. It was just like, yeah, that's what you do, man. You just sit there. That's it. You're, even, you're trapped. You're buckled in. You ain't going anywhere. You're just here for long for the ride. And I remember thinking, wow, he is so confused right now. But I remember... Just as a kid, right, especially during the holiday season, it was like, get in the car, we're going somewhere, and it doesn't matter what you say about it, you're going to be in the car, and we're going to see whoever, and we're traveling however far, we're going to travel, and all the sights that come with, you know, Christmas and, and holiday road trips, and all of the sounds that come along with it, and sometimes the smells that come along with the, the trips, and then sometimes even the stains that come along with the road trips on holiday seasons when we're traveling to see family as well. And so today, in the spirit of vintage Christmas and what most of us can relate to as far as the trips and the travel and the journey that happens during the holiday season, I want to take just a quick look 
uh, at the first original journey that happens in Scripture and see what, uh, what lessons it has for us today. So if you have your Bibles, turn to Luke chapter 2. We'll start in verse 8. If you don't have a Bible, that's fine. There's probably one under the chair in front of you or in your vicinity. And if you don't have a Bible at home that you can read and understand and study, we have some really great study Bibles that we'd love to just give you as a gift, uh, free of charge, so that you could have uh, the Word of God in a way that you can understand it and learn from. So we're going to Luke chapter 2, starting in verse 8. It says this, In the same region, shepherds, were staying out in the fields and keeping watch over their flocks at night. Now, let's pause for a second here. We skipped verses 1 through 7 of Luke chapter 2. So let me just, by way of quick recap, give you a, a kind of a synopsis. So uh, Caesar Augustus, probably known from his salad, uh, Caesar Augustus has declared a census. And so everyone has to go back home to where they're from to essentially register and make sure their family information is up to date. So everyone gets to go to their home city and they get to register. And Mary and Joseph who Mary is pregnant at the time, uh, whenever they declare it, they have to go back. And so Mary and Joseph, who's really super pregnant, uh, she, she and Joseph, they take off. And while they're really close to being back to register, super great time to give birth while you're traveling. Uh, Mary gives birth to Jesus while she's traveling. And so then that leads us to our first verse that we're reading in verse 8. So let's read it again. In the same region, so while Mary is giving birth and everybody's traveling and everybody's trying to get to their hometowns and a bunch of people are coming to Bethlehem, in the same region, shepherds were staying out in the fields and keeping watch at night over their flock. Then an angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. Yeah, shepherds during that time, well, they weren't super popular. They, they kind of had a bad rap with the common uh, public folk about who they were based on their occupation. They kind of had a bad reputation uh, just for kind of the way they handled businesses and the way that they were kind of unreliable because they were always just going wherever they had to go to take and deliver things. And so if you needed to depend on one, you probably didn't have a chance of finding them because they were just out doing whatever they were going to do. And the position itself was not necessarily a glamorous one because you sleep in the same fields with animals. And I don't know if some of you farmers in the room might be able to appreciate uh, a little bit about that. But that's not, everyone doesn't want to hang out with a person who smells like an animal that's been out in the field for seven days. So they weren't necessarily liked in general, uh, but we find that these three are hanging out near the town of Bethlehem and angels show up and they talk to them. And they communicate them. Keep reading in verse 10. The angel said to them, because they were terrified, right? But the angel said to them, don't be afraid. Look, I, I proclaim to you good news, a great joy that will be for all the people. It's kind of like when you're, like when a little kid falls down and like they scrape their knee and you have that moment where it's like, are they going to cry or are they not going to cry? Y'all know that moment I'm talking about when a kid falls down and they have to decide whether or not they're going to have a meltdown or not. The angel show up and they're Chubbs are like, ah, and the, the angel's like, oh, I'm bringing good news. Don't cry. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. Don't, it's okay. I, I, I've got good news for you. I've got good news for you. Today in the city of David, a Savior was born for you, who is the Messiah, the Lord. And this will be the sign for you. 
you'll find a baby wrapped tightly in cloth, lying in a manger. And suddenly, there was a multitude of the heavenly host with the angel, a background choir, praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest heaven and peace on earth to the people that he favors. Now, this is not, this is not like um, there was a television show that was on TV when I was growing up called Touched by an Angel. How many of y'all have seen the show Touched by an Angel? More people than not. Good, okay. This isn't like Roma Downey showing up with a soft can light over her head when they reveal that this is an, I'm an angel from the Lord. This is not like that. Okay, they're out in the field and all of a sudden, boom, the skies open up. This angel shows up. These heavenly hosts show up and he's like, I have good news for you. And there's a specific message that is given to these shepherds, and the message is this. Today, a Savior is born for you. And that little phrase doesn't get much attention because the, the wording right before it is pretty big news. Today, to you is born a Savior, and then the Lord for you. Right? And here's, here's why this is a big deal. Because the phrase, for you has two different meanings when we read it. Here's the first one. The phrase, today is born a Savior for you, from the first person perspective, means the angels talking to the shepherds, saying a Savior has been born for you. And while that might not seem like much, what we know is that shepherds weren't loved or admired. They were borderline outcasts. People did not like them, and they were looked down upon. And the gospel of Luke is written to the people who think that they are never going to be good enough or society has written them off or would think that there's something wrong with them. And in the beginning of the gospel of Luke, the writer shows that this Jesus, who's just a baby, is going to be for the people who are always counted out and never included in and seem like they're on the outside looking in. So when the angels come and say, a Savior is born for you, they go, oh my gosh, for us? For us? For you. And then for you also means for all of us. From that day until Jesus comes back again, the good news is a Savior, someone who can rescue and is strong and has might and power to defeat the grave, and to be bigger than anything that could ever happen in your life is born today for you, for all of us. And and it's here that I I just need to stop for a second because we have this this word, the, the word for good news. I have good news. I bring good news. I bring tidings of good joy, right? Here's the phrase for this good news in the Greek language that Luke is written in is this word called euangelion. Go ahead and put that next one up there. It's euangelion. There's a couple little squiggly lines that are supposed to be there, but that font didn't have the squiggly lines, so you just have to imagine where it might be at. And this is where we get our English word. We're translated into English language. We get the word evangelize, which means to share your faith, to, to talk about and to share and let other people know about the faith that you hold. We have this thing called discipleship and evangelism, meaning a sharing of the faith. But here's what I love is that there's a word that's inside both of those words that you're familiar with, and that word is angel. 
Because an angel in Scripture is a person who is a carrier and a proclaimer of the good news, the euangelion. And the shepherds, as they're out doing their thing, have an encounter and an experience with a carrier of the good news, or as we know it, an angel. And they proclaim that in the city today is born a Savior for you. See, the good news of Jesus is for everyone. Amen. The good news is for everyone. And listen to me. Thank you. If you've been in church for a really long time, I'm going to level with you and be real honest with you right now. I think it's really, really, really important for us to never, ever be complacent or not excited about the phrase, the good news is for everyone. Because there are so many people in the world in which all of us live in that are just desperately, in some way, shape, or form, hoping to hear good news for their life. And as much as I don't know if y'all are the same way as me, but it's not even December 25th yet, and I'm just already exhausted with the Christmas season, right? And here's the thing. We, as people who love Jesus and know him and know the story and know the good news, can't allow all the things that fill up our calendar replace the joy that comes with knowing that the good news, the gospel, is for everyone. In fact, we should know that now is the prime opportune time for us to be able to talk about it because people are ready and willing to hear it because of the season that we're in. If you're in this room or if you're watching online, I just want for you to know that if you have never heard the good news, the story of Jesus, or if you've walked away from your faith and you stopped going to church because of somebody did something to you or you heard something you didn't agree with, or for whatever reason, you are not excluded from the idea or from the big understanding of that the good news is for you regardless of what you've done, what mistakes you've made, how far you think you've walked away. None of that matters because the good news, the gospel that Jesus is your Savior and can be your Savior is still for you no matter what. And that's what we get to be carriers and proclaimers of as we talk about it. Now, see, lost in all this angel business is, and talking about shepherds, is that there are thousands of people in this passage right here that's kind of like side characters. There are thousands of people that are leaving where they currently live, and they're going back to their hometown, and they're going to go register in this, this census that has been declared by Caesar. They all have to go. And there are thousands and thousands of people that are on their way on the same journey as Joseph and Mary back to their hometown. They're traveling because they have to get back for the census. And I find it just so interesting as we think about vintage Christmas and how we have our habits here in the year 2022. It's interesting to me that on the first Christmas, people are traveling to get back home to see their family and to go back to where they're from. Now, I don't know if that was done on purpose or if we've made that tradition connected to it, but I find it so fascinating that one of the things that we identify as a key part of Christmas time is the same thing that was happening on the very first Christmas. It's one of the staples of our Christmas holiday, traveling to see family. And on the first Christmas, we see that it happens 
here. And what I love about it, this is that we also get the joy of not only traveling to see family and all the joy that comes along with traveling, but we also get the joy of being around the people when we finally get to the end of where we're traveling to see. We get to see all the people we haven't seen in a year, or maybe it's been several months, and we, we all get to travel and we get to go see there, and we get the joy and the experience of doing that, to getting to be where we've been intending to go and getting to see who we want to see. And God sends these shepherds that we read about here in Luke chapter 2. He sends these shepherds on their own journey to find something. They're just hanging out in a field. Angels show up. And they leave. And the shepherds are now, well, they have been wondering because they're shepherds, but now they have a much more focused travel itinerary that they're going to have. So my question for you this morning, maybe just to consider as we look at the big picture of the first Christmas and, and the Christmas that we have now and all the Christmases in between and, and the year calendar of our life is that maybe this question just for you to consider this morning is, what journey do you find yourself on during this season? We talked about a few months ago in our series, You Are Here, that everyone's on a journey. And there's a starting point, and there's going to eventually an end point, and everything in the middle matters a lot. And so I just want to frame this question for you as we know that Mary and Joseph in this Christmas passage, they're on their way on a journey to something, and that the shepherds have been relocated and rerouted, and they're on a journey to find something. And I'm wondering what each one of you in the room would say is the thing, or what is the journey that you find yourself on during this season, either physically or mentally or spiritually. What does that look like? My question is not, are you on a journey? Or you're not, are you in the middle of a process? That's not the question because I think most of us, we're being honest, we, we all are. So the question is, what is it that you're on? What journey is it that you're on? And what is it that you're looking for that you're trying to find while you're on that journey? Happiness, joy, some semblance of peace. Control, contentment. What is it that you're trying to find on the journey that you're on right now, physically and mentally and spiritually and emotionally? Let me read verse 15. I'll close up the passage, just says this. When the angels had left them and returned to heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let's go straight to Bethlehem. And see what has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. Let's go straight to Bethlehem. I don't know what they did with their sheep, but they said, peace out. We're going straight to Bethlehem, right? We're going straight to Bethlehem to see what has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. In verse 16, so they hurried off and they found both Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. And after seeing them, they reported the message they were told about this child. And all who heard it were amazed what the shepherds said to them. But Mary was treasuring up all the things in her heart and meditating on them. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things that they had seen and heard, which were just as they had been told. I love that, I love that Luke records in the middle of the angels and the shepherds, Mary, who has been along for the whole ride, The miracle has happened. What God has told her was going to happen has happened. 
She's faced everything that she's faced, and, and she sits and she listens to these shepherds tell a story about angels showing up, and she's like, yep, been there. And she sits and she gets to ponder in her heart and to think about all the things that she's gone through and how it gets to be unfolded right in front of her. I I love that that is recorded in the Gospel of Luke because of the journey that she has been on. And she gets here and she gets to this moment. See, the shepherds are the first hearers of the good news. And then something crazy happens. They become the givers of the good news. Look at the transition. Hanging out in the field. Angels show up. I'm bringing you good news. God has done something. So they go on this journey. They find the baby, just as God says. The angels said it would be. And then they go and tell other people about what they just saw. The shepherds hear the good news, find it to be true, and then they tell it. So what we have here is shepherds hearing from angels, becoming shepherds that are angels. Because they are the tellers of the good news, not just hearers anymore. They are the people that proclaim the gospel and the good news, shepherds to angels. So my, my question as we wrap things up this morning, on your journey now and where you're at in your faith, whether it's just starting or you're just coming back around to it or if you've been a part of this faith journey and following after Jesus for a really, really long time, when we look at the shepherds and, and this whole situation as they're on this Christmas journey, this travel together, go see the baby Jesus. I'm wondering this morning how you might be like the shepherds or how you might be able to relate to the shepherds. And I'm curious, based on where you're at in the journey, which one of these three things you might identify with most. So I would like for you just, just to consider this morning what, what this might look like for you. Which one of these three ways do you relate to the shepherds, or are you like the shepherds this morning based on your journey you're on right now? First one is this, hearing about God or the things of God, but have no real understanding of what it actually means. Hearing about God or the things about God, and really not ever having a full understanding of what it means. You're just kind of trying to navigate and figure things out, but you just heard about them and never put anything into place. And if that's you, welcome. Welcome to South Union, because you can belong here a long time before you ever believe what we believe. If you have friends or coworkers or neighbors or family members who would identify with the shepherds in this way, can I just encourage you from the leadership of our church and the staff of our church and the deacons of our church and on behalf of our church that they are always welcome here and there's a spot for them here. No matter Christmas or Easter or July, it doesn't matter. We've always got a seat for people who are trying to figure out and have only heard about God and don't know what's going on. Secondly, Are you like the shepherds in this way, that you are on your way to figuring what things mean? I'm learning. I'm trying to understand, what is this this life, this journey of following after Jesus, what does this actually look like? Not not what have a pastor or my parents, even though I'm 40 years old, not what have they told me to believe. What do I actually believe? 
What have I actually figured out? What do I actually own as my own faith? Because there are a lot of people in America who are Christians because they went to church growing up, but if you ask them to have any convictions or double down or to know what they actually believe, they can't do it because they're just living on borrowed faith. And if that's you, I would encourage you that help is available to be able to find out what it actually means for you to own your own faith. Parents in the room, if you're just raising kids and teaching them the same things you were taught, but you have no actual beliefs or you have no actual foundations as to why we're doing what we're doing, now is the time that you can decide to do that, to figure out why it is what you're doing. And then the third thing is this. You relate to the shepherds that maybe now, because you've experienced the good news, you get to tell it. Because you've experienced the good news, you know about Jesus. You have seen him at work. He has done things in your life. What does it look like for you on your journey to start being angels, proclaimers of the good news because of what you've experienced, just like the shepherds have? Because Christmas time, and even though it seems like the first Christmas back then and the Christmas that we're having now seem like they're two different worlds. It's interesting because they can be, but they don't have to be. They can be combined together, and the truths that exist and the value that exists in the first Christmas can be just as important and meaningful and as challenging as it was then. It can be now for each one of us. Now, over the past, the past few weeks, we have been uh, starting and continuing on in the season of Advent, which means that we are, we are waiting for the coming King. And as we get closer and closer, and we inch towards Christmas time, the days of our Advent celebration continue to wind down because it means, well, as you just read in Luke chapter 2, we're working towards the coming King. And we've, we've talked about hope and joy and we know that when we light each one of these candles, you know, we have, we have worked, we've worked on and talked about that each one of these candles represents something. And this week, ironically enough, the fourth week of Advent is actually called the angels candle. And it's, it's called that because, because the angel comes and proclaims the good news to tell them why you've been waiting and what, what's been going on in this time is actually, it's about to be over with because the angel is proclaiming good news that the Prince of Peace, the King is coming. And you're not going to have to wait much longer. And so we light this fourth candle, the angel candle, as a representation that we know that in the coming days, we get to celebrate that the King is here. Every Sunday at South Union, we take a few minutes to gather around the communion table and to, to spend a few moments celebrating that the King, Jesus, is a King who sacrifices for His people. But you probably already know this, but just for the sake, in case you don't, we talked about the shepherds this morning, and it is believed and it is known that 
the shepherds who were watching over their flocks at night or watching the sheep nearest Bethlehem, they weren't just watching any normal sheep. In fact, because there was going to be an influx of people coming into Bethlehem, they moved their flocks closer to the city because they knew that people were going to want to offer up sacrifices to God and that there would be a higher demand of sheep that would be needed to be met when they were going to do that. So in fact, the shepherds who experienced the angels and tell them to go find the newborn king, they are in fact the ones, they're the shepherds that look over the animals that will be sacrificed in the temple as a payment of sin towards God. And I just can't help. I just can't help. But understand that the moment they walked over and stood and looked at Mary and Joseph and baby Jesus, they were looking at a king. But the entire time before that, they had been looking over these things that were going to be sacrifices for sin for the people of God and how they had no idea at the time that they were actually the same thing. So this morning, as we take communion, we recognize what the shepherds had no idea about, but now we know that when Jesus laid down his life on behalf of us for the forgiveness of our sins for you, that this little wafer represents the body of Jesus that was broken. On the other side, this juice represents the blood that was shed on our behalf so that we could find eternal life and hope and peace and joy and good news. So this morning, maybe before you take communion, you just reflect on one of those three things. Are you just now understanding about who God is and those things? And are you trying to figure those things out? Or maybe it's your turn this morning before you take communion for you just to simply proclaim all the good things that God has done for you before you take communion. And if you're in need of prayer for anything this morning, come have a seat with me right here. I'd love to pray for you. Whatever is going on in this season of your life, we encourage you to spend these next few moments praying about it. So God, we're going to do just that. We're going to, we're going to place all of our cares and all the things that we worry about in the hands of a king who loves his people. We're going to place all of our problems and our worries and all of our anxieties and our stresses. We're going to, we're going to lay it at the feet of a king who never leaves. works and does things even when we don't understand it or see it or know it. We thank you for your love and how it's poured out and represented to us by the cross. It's in the strong name of Jesus that I pray.